0: You're listening to From the Burgundy Chairs, a podcast for health system leaders created by Santa's Health. Hi everyone,
1: my name is Peter Cleary, and I'm a principal here at Santa's Health. Today, we're exploring the pharmacy sector from both a cost and a patient wellness perspective. The role of pharmacists in the Canadian healthcare system is key. Pharmacists' scope of practice has evolved in recent years, and Canada's pharmacists are doing more for their patients than ever before. However, there are challenges. Red tape, jurisdictional complications, increased workloads. All of this can prevent pharmacists from practicing to their full scope. Along with Sandra Hanna, CEO of the Neighbourhood Pharmacy Association of Canada, and Blair Loughman, Vice President of Medication Management Solutions at BD Canada, we will unpack the expanding and essential role pharmacists play in the health system and discuss ongoing evolutions, innovations, and technology within the sector. But let's first start by introducing our guests. Sandra Hanna is a graduate at the Faculty of Pharmacy at the University of Toronto, a practicing pharmacist, and has completed her Master's in Law and the ICD Rotman Director's Education Program. She has served as CEO of the Neighbourhood Pharmacy since 2019, after serving for two years as the Vice President, Pharmacy Affairs at the Association. Blair Lofman is the Vice President of the Medication Management Solutions Business at BD Canada. Blair leads a customer-centric and innovative team focusing on the safety of medication delivery and management for better patient outcomes. Thank you both for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks, Peter. Excited to be here. Let's level set. Sandra first um, and walk the audience through a little bit of the role of a pharmacist and and how they've evolved to be such an essential um, uh, part of our healthcare system.
0: Yeah, thanks Peter. Well I think you know if you think about a pharmacist 10, 15, 20 years ago, you think of a pharmacy as a place to go get your medications, uh, whether prescription medications or over-the-counter medications, I think more recently people really look at pharmacies as health hubs. Um, and this is something that we're really, really um, you know, making really visible in our in our advocacy and in our communications because truly you know, pharmacies are community health hubs. It is where people go within their community to get health care. 95% of Canadians live within five kilometers of a pharmacy, of a community pharmacy, and Canadians see their pharmacist in their community up to 10 times more frequently than any other health care provider. Um, and when we think about, you know, some of the challenges in primary care today, we've got one in five Canadians who don't even have a primary care physician. And we know that a lot of the physicians that are practicing today are nearing retirement. And so we've got a longer term challenge with how we sustain primary care. And so when we look at pharmacies, we really see pharmacies as a solution and a long-term solution to how we deliver primary care in this country. Um, So, so I think, you know, in, in short, I think that, you know, pharmacies are really becoming a hub for not only primary care but also public health. Everybody goes to their pharmacy for uh, immunization services, testing services, and COVID has really, really solidified that. But also wellness and preventive care, and I think I see a lot of those things expanding over the years. But that's, I think, that sort of encapsulates what pharmacy is today and how far it's come from from dispensing you know, prescriptions to all of those things now.
1: So let's pick up um, Blair on that concept of the health hub that we have today. You know, when I was a kid, Sandra, to your point, I would just go in and and get a prescription asthma. uh, And uh, every single time I need it refilled, I would have to uh, uh, go through my doctor. And I was from a small town, too, so it was a little bit different, but it's it's evolving. So, Blair, why don't you walk us through, like, how how have things changed over the last number of decades? When we think about the scope of practice changes that have come into place as recently as last week in one province and across the country, what is it like operating as a pharmacist today compared to a couple of years ago? Yeah, and to,
2: to pick up where Sandra left off, I think, you know, the pandemic was a real catalyst for changing the scope of practice for pharmacists. I think before the pandemic, things were changing and having pharmacists take on more of an expanded role in providing that patient-centric care beyond just dispensing medications. And I think throughout the pandemic, um, pharmacists really stepped up to provide um, a gap where uh, health systems in hospitals and primary care physicians were really burdened. And I think they've really stepped up and taken on that expanded role, and we've seen Um, As Sandra said, because of their close proximity to a lot of the patients um, and the availability of them within the community, that they've really been a a center for providing uh, expanded services. Um, We've seen them um, expanding with administering vaccines, looking at um, ordering tests and labs um, and interpreting those results for patients. And most recently, in several provinces, taking on expanded roles in prescribing medications for a lot of common ailments. It's really helping fill that gap that, that Sandra, you were talking about in terms of those one in five patients that don't have primary care physicians. So I think it's really uh, helped fill a gap within the healthcare space and providing more of that frontline care for for patients across the country. Just recently, I was reading the news and looking at uh, more expanded access at the beginning of um, October for pharmacists to prescribe in Ontario for six uh, common ailments, um, building out the menu of prescription capabilities that they have um, to really help work on expanding that access for patients to um, get that, that primary care where they may be lacking from their their primary physicians. At the same time, I think they're dealing with a lot of challenges. So trying to take on that added and increased responsibility is a burden for them. And there are a lot of still manual tasks being performed within the pharmacy space, from managing inventory levels to dispensing medications and medication packaging. I think they are relying more on pharmacy technicians to step up and help with some of those activities. And I think it's driving the need for more automation within the space so they can free up their time to provide more of that patient-centric care and i think at the same time all this is happening there's a lot of human health resource challenges within the space so while they're trying to provide uh, more time with patients they're not able to scale up their staff due to those shortages and skilled uh, clinicians uh, whether it be pharmacists registered pharmacy technicians there's just not availability in the market for them to scale up their pharmacies uh, to be able to deal with this increased responsibility and, and scope. And I think when we look at patients and the aging population that we have in Canada across the country, we're seeing just more prevalence of complex patients that are being prescribed multiple medications. Looking at some of the statistics, you know, pharmacists are dispensing on average of 35 prescriptions um, for people aged 60 to 79. up to 74 prescriptions for those aged 80 and above, and I think that's really driving the need for compliance packaging to ensure medication safety and delivery, and pharmacists are looking for ways to be able to provide that um, to their patient population to ensure that adherence within the community, given that a lot of those patients are staying at home longer where they're not in long-term care facilities or in assisted living facilities where they have maybe nursing support um, to administer those, those medications. Um, So I think it's, you know, really driving that need for automation throughout the space to really take some of those operational tasks of the pharmacy and try and free up time um, for them to spend with patients uh, within the community and provide that expanded list of services that are helping supplement the rest of the healthcare system in Canada.
0: Just to just to sort of add on to Blair's comment, I think that you know, I want to pick up on a point that he made that was really good. I think, you know, as we continue to see pharmacists doing more and more, which is fantastic, I think the really, really interesting thing that came out of the pandemic is really the public and government's awareness of of what pharmacists can do within their communities and how they really are able to execute and deliver. Um, So, you know, interestingly, scope, um, yes, it has certainly advanced in the past you know past couple of years, but you know some provinces like Alberta have had full scope and prescribe you know prescriptive ability and the ability to you know uh, do tests and and order labs for for close to a decade their prescriptive ability um, authority has existed. And so I think what was really interesting and what was really really catalyzed by the pandemic is, the awareness of the public about pharmacies being able to be this community health hub and the way that pharmacies really did act as those community health hubs throughout the pandemic. And that has really persisted. And that sort of brings to, you know, brings to to Blair's point about the more public awareness and the more government awareness there is, the more people are looking and, and policymakers are looking to pharmacies and pharmacists to do more, which in, you know, in the context of, of, uh, strained HHR really begs the question of how do we do more? How do we continue to do more and more to meet the public demand? And then what of what we are already doing today, can we automate or can we, you know, um, expand the scope of technicians? That was another thing that was really, really accelerated during the pandemic to help technicians be able to balance some of that load, too. So I so just wanted to pick up on that because I, I think you're you're spot on, Blair, in, the, in that, that. You know, we're, we're doing more and that's fantastic. And there's more public awareness. But how do we support our pharmacy teams to continue to be able to deliver on the needs of their communities?
1: It strikes me as a lot of the changes that have been made are common sense. And you got to wonder, you know, in some ways, why they've taken so long. Like, I think back to 2011 when I was working in Ontario, because I have an Ontario-specific understanding of, of some of the stuff from from back when I was working working in that context the language from government and from when I was there and from some of my colleagues at Santa's were there were we got to do things differently uh the demographics are changing uh we have an aging population coming you know i think i think people have been wa- raising the flag on hhr for a long time and it strikes me as wild sometimes that even even as late as you know the opioid crisis the authorities that even the federal government has had uh, to enable pharmacists to do more the authorities were there to switch they just had to had to do them um so to your point that awareness of the capability of the pharmacists it's it's wild how common sense the changes are and how quickly they're being made once that awareness is there but i feel like that's the tip of the iceberg especially as we start looking ahead to the, the silver tsunami is i I think I'm coining somebody else smarter than me who said that what are you and and maybe why don't we start with you Sandra what do you what are you seeing as the challenges ahead like what are the headwinds that we'' we're, we're, we're going into and, and where do you see pharmacy um as a as a as a, a central role or a peripheral role in in supporting some of those headwinds
0: well I'm going to start by saying that I think advocacy is a very very interesting game and it's it's one that people don't generally really appreciate until they're in it i know i certainly didn't until i came into this role here at the association because it is a long game and oftentimes it really you know, you're saying the same things and it makes perfect sense to you as a stakeholder, but recognizing that stakeholder, um, you know, relations people at government um, and and minister's offices, premier's offices, et cetera, have to balance the needs of, of so many different stakeholders. And so oftentimes you do feel like you're saying the same thing over and over and it makes so much sense and it's so, so logical, but it kind of requires that perfect storm in order for it to be the right solution to the right problem at the perfect time at the right cost. And it sort of requires that perfect storm to really make it, you know, to get it over the finish line. And so I think that the the pandemic in terms of expanding scope of technicians, in terms of, you know, expanding the, um, you know vaccination authorities for, for pharmacists in certain provinces in terms of the, you know Prescribing in Ontario and in BC were the last two to to really enable pharmacists to prescribe for common ailments. We had this sort of perfect storm of pharmacists are here, pharmacists have pharmacists have proven themselves, and we're, we've got this massive physician shortage and primary care shortage right across the country. So there was sort of this perfect storm that really got us, you know, got us over the finish line on some of those things we've been asking for for I will say probably a decade in all of these provinces. Now, in terms of in terms of headwinds and challenges, you know, Blair touched on it earlier. I think, you know, HHR capacity is a challenge. And so um, there are definitely conversations that need to continue to be had around how do we facilitate getting more pharmacists into this country? Because we can't have provinces fighting over the same talent. We don't have enough talent in this entire country. Um, you know, and, and that goes for physicians, but I'll speak specifically about pharmacy. But, you know, we, we need to facilitate getting more pharmacists into this country and we need to make it easier for pharmacists to, you know, and, and for our workforce to be mobile across the country to, to support some of those challenges as well. We need to leverage technicians as much as we can. We need to increase their scope. We've seen technicians take on um, authority to to administer uh, vaccinations um, over the past couple of years. We've seen um you know, technicians be able to do more point of care testing. They're able to um, do the technical aspects of dispensing, which has been a huge help to pharmacists, but we also don't have enough technicians. So we also need to be working collaboratively to, um, you know, look at bridging programs and, and, and you know, ensuring that we have enough technicians to support the pharmacists that, that are taking on more. Um, you know, another thing I think that is important is, is the ability for us to leverage technology. I think, you know, I'm sure Blair will talk about it some more, but, um, he touched on automation, central filling, you know, um, if we want our pharmacists to be practicing to their full scope and their expertise and providing clinical care, well, we can't have them behind the counter checking every single prescription that goes out the door. And, you know, how do we do that? How do we enable our pharmacy teams to be able to outsource or um, automate some of their more technical work? Um, There's still a lot of red tape around that. There's, um, you know, challenges with having, you know, facilities in every province. And so we're looking at how do we facilitate, you know, cross jurisdictional service provision? How does, you know, a pharmacy that's on a a provincial border um, with another province be able to how do we facilitate having them be able to take advantage of 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 solutions and services that might be coming out of another province? Because sometimes it doesn't make sense for them, you know, for for a um, a retailer or a pharmacy organization to have facilities in all provinces. So there's things like that that we really do need to look at in terms of how do we facilitate, um, you know, and, and and look at the pharmacy workload today and and see how we can um you know, facilitate and enable pharmacies to continue to do more. The last critical enabler that I I cannot not mention is reimbursement, Um, you know, remuneration for for the services pharmacists provide. And and that is not only the dispensing or medication management, um, you know, services, which are so critical, but for all the services that pharmacists provide in community, fair Remuneration is critical to ensure that pharmacies can continue to resource to be able to deliver those services and to be able to scale up those services. And that's been one of the challenges that we continue to um, advocate for because that is a critical, critical uh, enabler for pharmacists and pharmacies in community to be able to do more.
2: Yeah, Sandra, just to build on your point around advocacy, I think one of the challenges I'm seeing is, you know, the data to support that advocacy. So, you know, getting access to the right stakeholders and raising that profile of uh, the pharmacist's scope of practice and what can be accomplished. You know, how do we take the pockets of good that are happening maybe in certain provinces and scale that um, and provide the data around how Um, That expanded scope of practice improves health outcomes for patients, how it reduces costs overall in the healthcare system, um, so that we really have the data to go to make fact-based, data-driven decisions, so that if we're advocating for investment in those um, reimbursement fees, if we're advocating for changes Um, within each province for pharmacy scope of practice, that there's uh, data to back up um, that advocacy and that we have really good use cases for how do we scale the pockets of good in the country to other areas that are maybe underserved or struggling with some of the challenges Um, and how do we make sure that we provide, you know, better um, use cases so that we're not reinventing the wheel in each province um, and that we're really, you know, driving, uh, you know, more holistic community um, within the country around what we can do as a, a pharmacy uh, service and
0: organization uh, within the country. It's such a good point, Blair, because there is a lot of data. There is a lot of research for pharmacy and the value that pharmacies provide to the, the broader healthcare system. And there are some really phenomenal examples of innovative practices um, that, that that have emerged over the years, but that especially in this past year, there's some phenomenal innovation happening. Nova Scotia, Alberta, New Brunswick, you know, there, there's a lot of really interesting models of, of pharmacy-led primary care clinics um, that are really filling a gap. And some early data from those those models are, are really showing that a good chunk of the patients they're seeing in those clinics are unattached patients. So where would they have gone otherwise? They would have gone to the hospital. So really, really clear, and positive data in terms of the outcomes and the value of, of, of pharmacies here.
1: So, I want to I want to kind of get into a little bit of the what's it what's it going to be like operating as a pharmacist? What's changing? The the one thing I kind of like about this pod is that we'll go behind the curtain and tell people how things operate nowadays. And Blair, you probably can speak to this a little bit. So, what what resources are out there now that that weren't there? before what's it like operating as a pharmacist with the tools that they have today versus what they would have before and how is it how is it improving just operating as a pharmacist making the job easier but also what's the impact at the at the end of the day for somebody who's looking to access pharmacy services.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think a lot of pharmacies have been adopting some form of automation for many years. It's not necessarily new. I think the sophistication and the level of automation has really increased um, over the the past several years. Um, You know, we've seen pharmacies really adopting technologies to help them automate things such as medication counting, packaging of medications into different formats for vial or compliance packaging, and really automating some of the dispensing workflow to really provide you know streamlined workflow and at the same time trying to improve that safety overall um, with that added volume the added work and stress within the pharmacy environment uh, the more that we can automate the more that we can reduce some of those adverse events that might occur where there's mistakes made um, automation has really you know proven itself to reduce some of that error and try to you know streamline that that operation and, and I really look at technology as an enabler to provide more of that patient-centric care and free up that time, um, especially with a lot of those repetitive tasks. Really trying to automate that um, is really freeing up time for uh, pharmacies to provide those services and become those those health hubs that Sandra talked about. Um, We're seeing a lot of the large pharmacies and banners across the country um, centralize their operations into central fill facilities where they're taking that work out of the retail location and doing that um, to try and gain some scale in production. I think our problem in the Canadian market space is we have a population that's quite spread out, um, and how do we gain that scale in operations, rather than trying to recreate the same operational processes at multiple different retail locations, especially ones that are you know uh, lower volume? How do we centralize that production and gain that scale to really drive down cost, drive down error, and free up the time in those community pharmacies to be able to be spending that time with patients rather than on, on those operational processes. Um, you know, really looking at um, some of the, the technologies out in the space. You know, BD has been at the forefront of providing a lot of new innovations. Um, you know, traditionally we were very much prevalent in the hospital spaces and automating a lot of the pharmacy workflows around dispensing medications in hospitals and infusions for patients. And we've really taken um, an investment in acquiring new technologies within our portfolio and realizing the potential within the retail, the community and long term care uh, facilities to automate some of those pharmacy services. So we made acquisitions with um, Parada Systems uh, back in 2022 uh, and really brought in um, a whole new pillar within our business around pharmacy automation to provide a a pretty comprehensive line of medication packagers to help with compliance packaging, whether that be in vial, blister card, or pouch packaging, to really deliver medications in the right format that patients need for the different care settings um, that they might be in, whether that be at home or within assisted living or long-term care uh, facilities. And we're really trying to partner with a lot of um, organizations, with pharmacists to really gather data. So as we see that technology um, become adopted, we're really trying to gain some of the data around what are the economic benefits, what are some of the efficiencies, um, case studies around looking at how uh, centralizing or automating certain processes freed up time to provide more uh, time for uh, patient-centric care. And really, you know, overall, what's that economic benefit and what's that patient benefit within the whole healthcare system? So I think it's something that we're still evolving and working on and looking for those partners within the community to provide us um, with that, that data and provide you know, examples of what best in class and what those innovative practices can look like and how do we scale that and provide that for more communities throughout the country. So
1: Sandra, with pharmacists having more time with all of this um innovation uh in their operations what are they doing with it what will somebody walking in off the street see differently
0: well I think I think we're not there yet to be honest, Peter, I think we're not there yet. I think there's a lot of great solutions out there. As Blair mentioned, there's a lot of great automation in store. There's a lot of opportunity to centralize some of those sort of more technical tasks for pharmacies, but there's still a lot of red tape around that. And there's still um, there's still opportunities to optimize that and to you know bring that into practice a little bit more. Because as we do, I really am a big believer of this, as we do automate more of the day-to-day tasks as we do centralize, you know, to take advantage of scale, as, as Blair mentioned, some of those technical tasks, pharmacists will be able to do a lot more appointment-based services, will be more available to spend more time with patients. And, and frankly, I think those primary care and public health services, those can't be automated. They can't be centralized. You know, those clinical services are A, what is most needed. That's, that's what we are short of. We are short of that patient primary care practitioner interaction time. And so leveraging the pharmacist time to be able to deliver on some of those services is huge. Um, you know, we'll have pharmacists be able to spend more time with patients, but also I think we'll be able to take on more in terms of how we can fill gaps in the system. I mean, there's so many opportunities. There's still so much opportunity to grow within the primary care space. Right now, we've got most all provinces now prescribing for common ailments, but there's still so much opportunity to grow there. Chronic disease management, you know, initiating prescriptions. I mean, In in a world where a physician says, you know, you've got diabetes, go to your pharmacy and they will, you know, talk to you about the best medication for you. Physicians are, are experts in diagnosing. Pharmacists are experts in drugs. So, you know, a world where we, we could be moving in that direction and, and physicians can see more patients because pharmacists can take on the, the time consuming task of really initiating, monitoring, following their medication therapy. So a lot of opportunity for growth in primary care. I think in the public health world, pharmacists can and should be doing all the you know, public health vaccinations. So we can see, you know, pharmacists doing more and more of that and technicians also supporting on that because in many provinces, technicians are now immunizing too. And in the health and wellness space, I think there's a huge opportunity for growth for pharmacies to be a destination for health and wellness. Um, so so I think by by enabling the use and the adoption of more technology automation to support the pharmacists in area that in the areas where it's possible, it it really kind of opens up the door for more and more growth for um, service through the pharmacist um, and, and people accessing those services through the pharmacy, and and frankly also an area for growth for the pharmacy because that that is um, you know really the only area um, and, and opportunity for growth for pharmacies um, to sustain to sustain there and grow their businesses as well.
1: So you, you really hit on uh, kind of circling back to the beginning of the conversation. There's all this common sense stuff that it seems like it's a matter of not if, but when. And it took a pandemic to get there for scope of practice in some circumstances. And that's not dissimilar from other aspects of the healthcare system. We have rolling reviews for drug submissions now because the pandemic taught government and regulators that we can do this faster and better. So, there, so Sandra, you highlighted a bucket of things that probably will happen. it's just a matter of when, whether it's sustained advocacy, whether it's pandemic 2.0, but something will push it and it will go. But there's also a lot of other stuff. And Blair, I'm wondering if you can help us close off the conversation a bit here, a little bit more of a visionary of, we're talking about AI and healthcare all the time now. We're talking about the need for better data because there's a dearth of data in this country when it comes to healthcare. So help us think through five years from now, pipe dream, but probably not a pipe dream based on how things fast things are happening. But tell us where you think things will be in five years from now. What sort of conversation would would we have if we if we bring the three of us back in a couple of years?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think as we see, you know, more advocacy, as we see more adoption of some of the automation technologies to help with a lot of that manual work and, and process, um, I think it's all these different devices connected um, in sort of what we're calling a connected medication management um, strategy. Um, There's a huge amount of data being gained uh, at every interaction with a patient, um, every interaction with a medication coming into a pharmacy and leaving that pharmacy, Um, all the different devices from inventory management software, pharmacy information systems, um, medication packagers. I think as we start to collect and leverage that data, we can really start to provide more analytic solutions to really help be able to look at um, how do we optimize operations? So what's working today, where are adverse events coming up? And rather than having to mine that data or work off anecdotal evidence, I think if we can use AI and cloud enabled solutions to collect and aggregate that data and provide you know real time recommendations to pharmacists and pharmacy operators to really look at how are they gonna optimize their network? How are they gonna optimize the delivery of those medications to patients? Um, So that they can really, you know, bring about change and uh, that spirit of continuous improvement. So how do they continue to optimize, reduce cost, um, and and continue to scale those clinical operations? So I believe that it's really an enabler. And I think that all the data and the um, uh, insights that we can gain from the technology and from the process um, is really going to be an enabler to help uh, really achieve that future vision that we have for pharmacists to become those pillars within the community and improve you know healthcare for many Canadians that just don't have access today
0: and i i have to echo that i think that you know i get really excited by the thought of of ai and and not from a sense of caring for patients because i think that's always going to remain in in you know you need a relationship with somebody to care for them um but i think there's so much opportunity even in terms of like predictive you know modeling and you know better better understanding workflows and you know the the automation and centralization of certain services absolutely and you know how wearable technology and and you know wearables can start to to link into the information that we have access to to better care for patients i don't think it'll replace but i i totally see it as an enabler and an opportunity for us to do better for our patients and so i think you know, five years, I think it's it's very, very possible that a lot of these things are gonna happen. And I think it's really, really exciting because it's better care for Canadians and hopefully it'll, it'll enable uh, pharmacists to be able to do more in their communities.
2: So I think it's really important, you know, as these technologies are adopted, as we move to more cloud-based solutions, really important at the forefront of everything that we need to protect patient privacy. I think uh, cybersecurity and protecting all that data that's generated from multiple different systems is going to be really vital to ensure that we um, protect that privacy of patients. We protect the integrity of that data um, to really ensure that we're not causing more harm um, by trying to uh, deliver more efficient and technology-enabled care.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find this episode and more on our website at santashealth.ca and on our Twitter at Santus Health. This has been From the Burgundy Chairs.